and I try to find good qualities in everybody, but he just like would rub everybody the wrong way. And even after that, I was like always just super nice to him and tried to include him in things because I just didn't want, I didn't want him to have an excuse to be blatantly racist toward me or to fuel whatever feelings he has about black people. I like made it a, a conscious decision to say like, okay, this person clearly has an issue, but I'm not going to allow him to, to use me as a scapegoat for having hateful feelings to people who look like me. Welcome to episode five of the Outdoor Social. My name is Tommy Corey, otherwise known as Twerk. I'm your host, obviously. Um, God, I fucking hate doing intros. By the way, it's so awkward to just be talking in a room by myself, as if I'm talking to people, but there's no one there. No one's responding. Um, so hopefully, someone's listening to this. So I'm not just talking for no reason. Um, today's episode is. Uh, I'm really excited to release it, and I'm really excited for people to listen to it. Um, I am interviewing Nandi Singleton, who or goes by Sea Lion on the trail, and uh, she hiked the PCT the same year as me, 2018. Um, she hiked with her boyfriend, Space Jam, who is finishing up his Triple Crown this year, which is pretty cool. Uh, this was her first through hike, um, and she's also happens to be an African-American woman, um, which I think... This episode is fantastic. I think it's really valuable for people who aren't um, people of color to listen to, um, especially if you're a, hi- you're a hiker. Um, kind of this running theme I've been seeing in the last few episodes um, that I'm going to release after this one. Um, uh, the the thing that's been commonly said um, from you know from minorities is that they that representation. Um, in the outdoor industry is really important um, because sometimes you just want to see people that look like you. And, uh, you know, as a white appearing person that I am, because I'm half Mexican, if you didn't know, but uh, as a person that looks white, um, that's not something um, I've ever really thought about. Um, So it's been even valuable for me to interview these people and just gain a new perspective of why, um, others want to see people that look like them. And, uh, so we talk a little bit about that. Uh, we just, you know, talk about being a black woman on the trail, which if you haven't been on a long distance trail, uh, seeing a black woman out there on a through hike is probably less than 1%. Um, I mean, seeing a black person in general is, you know, very, the percentage is very minuscule, unfortunately. Um, so I'm, Really hoping that uh, people listen to this episode, um, especially people of color. Uh, I think 
you'll learn a lot. I think it might inspire you um, to get out and go on that hike you've been wanting to do, but maybe haven't felt comfortable doing. Um, Nandi is absolutely hilarious too. I love that we in this episode can, you know, talk about subjects that might come off a little heavy, but still laugh. Um, and I think that's kind of the point of doing this is that, um, just because we're talking about serious subject matter doesn't mean we can't still laugh and smile through it as well. A uh, little side note. Um, I did go to trail days a couple weeks ago, which was really fun. Got to, uh, run into a bunch of people that hiked last year. Um, people that hiked before, um, a lot of, you know, met a lot of new through hikers, um, that are currently hiking and finishing up their journeys. I uh, got to see a lot of people. I gave trail magic to down in the desert and then Oregon and so on and so forth. Um, I think, you know, might not be able to afford rent this month, but, uh, at least the hikers got some food and some beer. Um, <laughs> I will say, uh, you know, if you've been following along, I did, stopped drinking about a month and a half ago. And, you know, it wasn't super hard not to drink. It was just very overwhelming um, to be around so many people that were just getting hammed. Uh, I mean, I was a little bit jealous um, because I definitely uh, felt a little bit anxious. Um, But, you know, took a couple of rips of the weed pen and felt pretty good. But holy shit. Coming home after trail days, I literally slept the entire day and didn't talk to anyone. I could, I just did not want to see one other person the entire day. I was so just, I had the worst social hangover I think I've ever had. I don't know if I've ever actually had one, um, but it was, it was exhausting. (laughs) Um, But it was, it was cool to see so many people I've talked to on Instagram and um, have companies that I've connected with, um, recently and, you know, take some pictures. Uh, the thing I found out <laughs> from trail days, and I don't know if this makes me sound like an asshole and if it does, you know, whatever, cause I'm used to it. But, uh, you know, obviously I was hanging out with, you know, Starburst and, um, you know, there's like second chance and Darwin and, you know, all the, all the beloved uh stars from youtube and you know on you know well-known people from the trail uh and it it was hilarious to watch people walk up to them and get selfies with them and be really excited and people were coming up to me and saying oh hey uh you look familiar oh are you are you twerk gonna be like yeah like are you taking pictures i'm like what the fuck so no one wants pictures with me. They just want their picture taken is what I found out. Um, so yeah, that, that <laughs> maybe I'm just throwing myself a big ass pity party. Uh, I just, I thought it was kind of hilarious. Um, so with that said, <laughs> we'll segue into our episode here and I'm done being a big old bitch and complaining. Um, uh, yeah. So please enjoy this episode and, uh, Yeah. That's all I have to say. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. You know, I I feel this this love for you. And so anything that you do, I'm totally in support of. <laughs> really great and amazing and lovely. 
And uh, even though we only met that one time, I was like, I just really, really love him. Okay. So um, I just, I really think that you're amazing. So thank you for, for wanting to chat with me. Oh, of course. Well, thank no. So, I mean, like I have felt the same about you because you, so you um, got that. It was it, it wasn't through Hike Syndicate. It was through the Trek. You got that sponsorship, correct? Okay. So yeah, I remember watching, um, finding out who you were before the PCT last year, because you had made that video, um, to get that sponsorship. And I, and I remember being like, Oh, I'm so excited. Like, I hope she gets something because this girl looks so awesome. And I mean, also because I mean, right now there's a big conversation as you know, as well about, you know, diversity on the trail. So I was like, ah, finally, you know, like we get some like people of color out there and we're starting to add to the mix of through hikers. So that's why I was like, Oh God, I hope this girl wins. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And then we, we got to meet at Timberline Lodge, which was lovely and wonderful and everything I expected. So, <laughs> but, but, but couldn't keep up. <laughs> Everyone passes twerk on the trail. <laughs> You're having a blast and I can't blame you. I yeah. can't blame you for that. That's what it's really about is, is making those, you know, those human connections I find are the most of the things that I, you know, hold dear to me are the, the connections I made and, and the things we did together with other people. And while of course the trail itself is gorgeous and amazing in in every way, um, it's, it's the human connections that really make it what it is. Oh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I agree 100%. I mean, I, if there weren't people out there, like, or like a lot of people, I probably would not through hike, you know, the whole reason I go is just to make new friends and meet people from all over the world. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think it would be even half as fun if there weren't the people out there. Absolutely. Um, so I do a little segment for each episode. Um, and it's kind of fun. Uh, it's called who said it. And basically I, read you quotes from Instagram posts of people that you follow and you have to guess who they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. It's, it's real. It's really fun. Um, there's only, I think I only did like six or seven. So um, I'll read them and then you just guess who it is. And to make it easier, it's all people in the hiking community. So, so it's, it's not like, you know, you're like cousin, like twice removed. So <laughs> 21. I'm like, I don't know who that is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh I'll I'll just start and then you can just guess, okay? Okay. Uh the Sierra have exceeded everything and more than what we expected. The weather is near perfect every day. The snow on the passes so far has been negligible, and the fact that we're thriving at high alpine elevation feels unearthly. I'm trying to think which of my hiking friends would say like negligible and unearthly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to say it's Caro. Caro the bold. You could. It's close. <laughs> if that gives you a hint. Pefe. Yeah. 
Yay! <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you the point for that. We'll give you the point. <laughs> it's got to be someone who makes me feel like super poetic. <laughs> yeah, she is very poetic. Yeah, she's great. Um, okay, here we go. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. But just like this magical granite wonderland, I've been calling home for the past few days. Through hiking is not my normal. The PCT is not my normal. Being out here, a part of this trail community, and among those people who have inspired me and expanded the boundaries of what I know is possible has been my dream for years. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to just guess. Okay. Um, are you allowed to give me like a hint or no? Mm, I don't know how to give a hint for this one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Am I allowed to ask questions? Sure. If you want. Is it, I'm assuming it's someone who hiked, uh, our year. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Is it a is it a guy? No, it's a girl. Okay, that helps. Um Okay, I think I'm going to say that it was spirit. No. I'll just tell you. <laughs> and I'm not good at this game. Yeah. <laughs> we we I would let you guess more but then it take up a lot of times. But uh so yeah, you get one guess. Uh it's tunes. Oh, tunes. Oh, so cute. I know. Love her, right? She's awesome. All right. Uh, Next one. Watching the sunset with my girlfriend, awesome hiking partner, partner in crime, goofball, and best friend at the 1200 mile marker. Aw. That's my (laughs) boo. Okay. Just, okay. Good thing you got that one. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like who? uh, I don't know. I had to put some easy ones in there. Yeah, thank God. Okay. (laughs) All right, next one. We traveled from across the country and the world to chase a dream. We were scared and anxious. We took the first step and kept going. We hiked in the sweltering heat. We carried water for endless miles. Is it someone who's like a couple? Uh, Not a trail couple, but he is getting married this year. Well, <laughs> I'll give you a hint. I hiked with him. Oh, Pickle. Yeah. I love Pickle, by Pickle's the way. The best. I know. Did you guys ever meet on trail? We never met on trail. Um, and so once we got home, because, you know, he lives like right outside of Baltimore. Uh-huh. So uh, Space Jam and I went and hung out with him to do his podcast and then actually we got the chance to hang out again uh, a couple months ago at trail days we went to the at trail days and hung out for a couple days it was really good to hang out with him he's really great uh, i know pickles the best yeah we're all we're all gearing up to go to his wedding in october so we're we're all really excited okay you ready for the next one okay grateful that i had the time money and good health to spend two and a half months doing what i love Grateful I made it out relatively healthy. Grateful for the amazing friends I've made. Okay. I'm going to guess that that was Blueberry. No. Right. <laughs> I don't know if you actually hiked with this person, but it's someone you follow. And I met them in the Sierra. 
Um, and I think they got off probably after the, right after the Sierra, and then they're going southbound this year, if that gives you lots of hints. <laughs> going southbound. They just started recently. Hmm. Nope. <laughs> okay, it's a uh, Cobra. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name again? Cobra. Cobra. Uh, you follow him, James. It's James Burial. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so okay, okay. Here we go. Yes. I, I do know him. I never met him on trail, but we started following each other because of the Badger sponsorship thing. Oh, okay. He had also messaged me and was like, oh my God, this is so great. Please, please win. And so we followed each other, but we never met in person. So shout out to him. He's really nice, but I actually never met him and didn't know his trail name. Okay. Okay. You're like, who the fuck is I was that? like, who is Cobra? <laughs> at first i was like are you saying cobra i know that i know yeah no it's it's cobra <laughs> okay yes okay all right we just one more and then we'll we'll move on we'll move on <laughs> <laughs> okay <clears throat> she looked back to compare to see the woman she had become. All the self-doubt, fear, uncertainty, curiosity, passion, humor, and fortitude twisted and reached, grabbing at the earth. It's gotta be Caro. It is. Good job. Yeah, it's gotta yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> She's such a great writer. These hikers are so predictable. <laughs> They've been their personalities. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, okay so we have next segment is a not so rapid fire round so it's just the questions I ask everyone and then you don't I mean you don't have to answer them super fast but they're easy okay all right and then we'll get into the good stuff all right describe yourself in three words Ooh. passionate uh, reliable and loving. And what was the third one? Loving. Loving. Yeah. Uh, I thought you said 11. And I was like, I'm 11. <laughs> I was like, Stranger Things? I don't understand what that means. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, not that I'm trying to judge your word, but like. yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, such great words before. They're just 11. (laughs) Cat. They're like, what? I don't (laughs) know. What would be the last meal you ate before you die? First thing that popped into my head was cookie dough ice cream. And my grandma's mac and cheese. Ooh. Uh with every sort of potato possible like french fries mashed potatoes baked potato like any kind of potato i could get my hands on okay (laughs) all about potatoes are my like i i don't know what i would do without potatoes (laughs) (laughs) okay if you could have potatoes anyway for the rest of your life what what would you pick 
but you couldn't have anything else. So like you had to pick fries or mashed potatoes or hash browns. Like what would you pick? Oh, that's really, really hard. That's really hard. These are hard. These are hard questions. (laughs) I had, okay. I have to choose just one, probably a baked potato because just the way you can put your butter in there and, and it melts and it's all fluffy and yummy. Uh, just slather it in sour cream and green onions and oh my god mm-hmm. a little uh, cheese maybe a little bit of what a little cheese mm. Mm-hmm. yes okay yeah no that's it okay. <laughs> I agree <laughs> having a moment <laughs> <laughs> okay well I, I need to go to the store after we're done here uh uh, let's see. What's your, um, biggest pet peeve? Oh my gosh. Backseat driving. <laughs> and it, it's something that Space Jam does. And it's probably the only thing about him that I just cannot stand. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, if you really want to tell me how to drive, why don't I just pull over and have you do it? Because clearly, <laughs> you know better than I do. Yeah, that's pro- that's a big, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Easy, easy. Yeah, but that bothers me as well. I wouldn't say it's my biggest, but that definitely bothers, bothers me. Um, thing that popped into my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, if you could listen to one musical artist for the rest of your life, who would it be? Oh, that's so hard. We can also come back to any question. So like, if you need time to think about it, we can also move forward and keep it flowing. I'll keep it authentic. I, if I had to, the first, I'll just go with the first thing that popped into my head. So it's my favorite band, um, System, System of a Down. Oh, I've heard of them. I don't think I know much of their music. They are, let me tell you, I was the biggest fucking emo kid in high school (laughs) and, you know, super teen angst. And they got me through, you know, my rough life, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Everything is just so hard. And I just remember like walking to school, like listening to this hard ass, you know, rock music and being like, Yes, it's just me and them against the world, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they're really great. They have a lot of music to me that's very relevant to t- to today. Um, super political um, and like conscious driven music. Um, things relating to like the the uh, criminal justice system and things like that that are still you know very very relevant. And this is music that came out in the mid 2000s. So if I had to choose someone, probably them. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That, I mean, I think you feel the same way about them as I feel about the Spice Girls. So that's great. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's what I, that's what I was listening to when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love them. Um, I, I got made fun of a lot. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, who, which act, famous actress would you want to play you in a movie about your life? Ooh. 
I might have to think about that one. Okay, we can come back to it. Um, if you died today, how would you want to be remembered? I would want to be remembered as someone who followed her dreams, uh, went against the expectations of her, and did it with grace and kindness and uh, joy. Just a very happy-go-lucky person. Oh, that's so lovely. I love that. (laughs) You've thought about that, haven't you? (laughs) Probably. You know, probably while I was listening to System of a Down. Yeah, and or, you know, walking on the PCT. (laughs) Of course. Because what else do you do? (laughs) Gosh, the amount of thinking is absurd. Like, there's just days where, like, my brain would hurt. I'm like, God, shut up. Like, like, I wish I could just, like, do off switch for, like, a day, please. (laughs) Uh, um, Okay, last one. What are you most terrified of? I'm most terrified of not believing in myself. Um, and I think with that comes a lot of, uh, again, like being afraid of getting stuck, being afraid of, um, living in a loop of negativity, um, a loop of self doubt. Um, I never want to be stagnant. So I think not having a good foundation of of self confidence and 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 drive can be very detrimental. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's something I work on all the time. It's like you you never really work through that. It's more of a constant process. Um, so yes, being af- being afraid of following my dreams and and not having confidence are probably what I'm most afraid of. Especially after doing something like the trail, it's like, you don't want to, lo- you don't want to lose that. Yeah. Cause it obviously takes a lot of confidence to walk that far and put yourself through that. Um, cool. Well, that was that segment. I kind of want to go back into how you, uh, so the whole point of this podcast is I like to ask people more in depth questions about who they are rather than like, Oh, how many miles a day did you do? Or like, what pack did you carry? Cause I think, you know, there's, there's enough of those podcasts and we'll just leave it to them to do that. Um, I, I'm more interested in, yeah, like who you are, um, especially, uh, after reading, um, the piece you're writing for the next, uh, Hiker Trash Vogue book. Oh my God, I was dying, which I, I, yeah, which I think I sent you that like long email. I was like, "Oh my god, it's so good! I couldn't stop." <laughs> like, <laughs> it was a beautifully crafted email. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I mostly I want to kind of ask you some more questions about that, and obviously a lot of them were probably an- or were answered in that story, but um, just for people to listen to because I think it's also really valuable to hear you talk about it. Um, did you grow up in Baltimore? by the way? I did. 
is I don't know much about Baltimore. Is it is it a pretty diverse city when it comes to like eth- like ethnic diversity? It depends on where you go. Um, I'd say overall, if if we're looking at like the bigger like Baltimore City metropolitan area, like Baltimore City proper, it's probably majority black. Um, but anyone who's visiting Baltimore, you would see a very different Baltimore. It would be super white. Gotcha. Um, so I think the majority of the people that are in Baltimore are probably, it's, I mean, it's probably about 60, 40, um, maybe 70, 30, uh, being 30% like whites and other races. Mm-hmm. Um, but black people are very much, um, especially, you know, underprivileged, impoverished black communities are very segmented away, like very pushed away from what brings people to Baltimore. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, that I think that is kind of what a, a lot of big cities are like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, did you, when you were in school... Were you, were you, uh, was your school very mixed? What like neighborhood did you grow up in? Yeah. So I grew up in West Baltimore, which is, uh, if you've ever seen the wire, um, which I'm sure some of your listeners have, it's the area where a lot of that show was based off of. Um, so fortunately my mother was one she was a homeowner and so she was you know very very driven woman but of course was a single parent um but she always put my my siblings and I into really great schools like the best schools that she could possibly get us into Mm -hmm. um and uh so my my elementary middle school was again predominantly black uh but definitely had other like races there if I went there now it'd be completely different um that school has really grown um and more people have moved into the city so it's a lot more diverse than it was back when I was in school and then my high school was also predominantly black but I was in the honors program so the classes were mostly white kids and you said you were kind of you're kind of emo growing up like through high school yes where did you consider yourself like an outcast or did you have like a little squad of like other like punk emo kids that you hung out with um you know the cool thing about my high school was that no one there weren't really groups or like cliques everybody blended together pretty well for the most part um so I never felt like an outcast I also didn't really you know, I didn't have like the, you know, the swoop over hair. Um, so I definitely did. I wore a lot of black, but um, I didn't really fit like that emo scene look. Um, so I don't think people just like pointed me out and was like, there goes that emo girl again. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, fortunately, high school was a really pleasant experience um, as far as socially, because everybody was very open and welcome to really just like blending together with other people. It was really great. 
Yeah. Was this a private school? No, it was a public school. And then, so did you grow up, because um, you mentioned in part of the story you wrote about, uh, you know, growing up and having, you know, friends that were vic- victims to violence, sounds like gun violence. Like, was there, was there a lot of crime where you were, where you grew up? Yes, there was a lot of crime. Um, you know, it's very interesting when you're a kid. Um, I never felt poor, and I don't necessarily think we were. It's 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 so weird because you don't really know how to. Even as an adult, looking back, sometimes I'm like, I don't really know where we were financially um, because yeah. we had you know, the struggles of not having a meal to come home to or, you know, the lights getting cut off or, um, you know, having to sacrifice one thing, you know, not getting shoes to like get a school shirt or something like that. I really didn't have to make those sorts of sacrifices. But overall, I will say, yes, definitely like a lower class neighborhood. Um a lot of drug use, mm-hmm. um, a lot of drug dealing on the corners, and it's it's a really uh, weird. I can't even think of, of a word for it. A very weird thing to experience when you know when you're like six and seven years old, and you're hanging out with people, and it's very innocent, and you're just playing tag in the street, and you don't really know what's going on around you because you really don't have any concept of that. Yeah, you get you know thirteen years old, and the friends that you used to have are now the people on the corner, you know, or and are now the people you see coming home from school that's like getting arrested or patted down on the street corner. It's a very odd thing to experience was your um was your mother i mean obviously your mom uh was your mom telling you like you know like when things would happen was she ever like you know like don't go outside today or you know stay close or was it just something you were so used to that it was never a big deal yeah i i Yes, because my my mother was one. She really had no way of kind of enforcing that, even if she did, because she was literally always working. Yeah. Um, she wasn't working. She was napping to get back to go to work. Um, but I think she really trusted me from a very young age to like do what what she expected of me and to to make my own smart decisions from a very young age I guess she kind of had to trust that I would make good decisions um but she she really didn't have any way of of making sure I didn't um and it really we rarely had any situations where there was actual gun violence like on our block which is so fucked up to have to say that like Mm -hmm. you might I might hear gunshots but I'd never, like, it wasn't really ever on our block, usually within, like, a block or two. Um, But it's also just something, you know, growing up in that environment, you just become desensitized to it, you know? Like, you you hear a gunshot or, you know, you see 
uh, a drug addict walking down the street and you're like, I know what they're here for. It's like you, you become, um, grossly, um, desensitized to seeing that sort of stuff. Yeah. You're just like, Oh, Hey, there's Gary. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, they're like, Hey, how's your mom? And it's like, Hey man, you know, it's, it's even to this day, um, my mom still owns her house there. So I'll go by and, you know, the a guy who's been, you know, using drugs for years and has seen me grow up will be like, Hey, Nandi, how's college going? And I'm like, Hey man, I've been telling you every time I come here, I graduated like six years ago. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Every time I come here, how's college? They're like I graduated six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Holy good. That's cute though. <laughs> yeah. Um, what it, so were you an only child? No. I have uh, I have two siblings, two older siblings, a brother and a sister. Okay, and they, how much older are they? Uh, my brother, ooh, my brother is like fourteen years older than me. Maybe yeah, fourteen or fifteen years older than me, and my sister is eight years older than me. Oh, okay. So they probably weren't around too much when you were growing up. No, not really. My, my brother was already out of the house. Um, and my sister was a teenager, so she really didn't have any interest in me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she, she was out like doing her own thing, hanging out with friends, doing what teenagers do, I suppose. So it was mostly me, um, in the house by myself a lot. And what did your mom do for work? My mom was a social worker and also did uh, drug and alcohol counseling. She worked for kind of like a psychiatric and drug and alcohol counseling center that was about like 10 minutes away from our house. And she would do the um, evening and night shift there. And she had a second job at least, you know, when I was very young, a second job doing the, uh, social work, um, another, like, I don't know, eight or eight hours a day. Um, so she was always on the go. And then she was also a foster parent for a while. So we, at a couple spurts within my childhood, we had a foster kid come live with us. Oh, wow. How long were the, how many kids were there and how long did they live with you? Um, we had, we had at least three in total, not all at the same time, because we had three bedrooms and a basement. Um, and so I was like super young and was so in love with my mom. I would just sleep with her and then the other person would have their own room, but they would stay for at least um, six months to a year. Um, my mom really wanted to adopt a few of them, but then their parents came back. And so, you know, you go through the whole, um, you know, is your child, can your child stay or should this child stay with their foster parent or do we give them back to their parent who's now ready to take care of them? Um, and Mm -hmm. most times they went back with the parent. 
Um, so that was hard too. It was just like as a kid, you make a friend, you know, someone becomes a part of your family and then they're gone. Um, but yeah, she, she, my mom is kind of this person who likes to help people. She likes to adopt people un- unofficially. Uh, and so uh, that's, that's really just her nature. And um, it was a really beautiful thing to witness growing up because I know how hard she worked all the time. And then she had another person to take care of and nurture and, and um, kind of really a lot of undoing of mental and emotional uh, anguish that these young kids went through. So, yeah. That's I, so, yeah. I mean, wow, that's super admirable to take in a child, especially if you want to take in a child, like you're going to show that kid probably just as much love as you gave your actual children. I, uh, I'm pretty familiar with the system myself. I have a uh, sister who's adopted. Um, but we, she started living with us with the intent to adopt her. Um, but it's funny, it took about two and a half years before we officially adopted her. So she started living with us right before her first birthday, I believe. And then um, we officially adopted her two and a half years later when she was like three and a half. And I remember having nightmares growing up that that like these men in trench coats would come and take her away. Uh, and it's like, it's kind of scary because like, even though I grew up in like, you know, like big, beautiful home and, you know, normal, like middle class family, like they come constantly and like check up on you and like make sure that, you know, the kid's like actually going to be well taken care of. But it's strange because she was with a foster family before, you know, she started living with us because she got taken away like as an infant. Um in this foster family, like, I don't know how laws are in different states, but in California, you can have up to three children to, I believe, a room uh, in your house. So th- this family was just, like, packing in the foster kids, and they get paid for that. So, like, when when she started living with us, all her clothes were too small. They were dirty. Like, she didn't... I don't remember her smiling for the first few months, really. Like, she wasn't a very, like, happy baby until she started living with us for a little while. It was really odd. Um, so it's it's kind of... it's That really sucks, and that must have been really hard for you and for your mom to, you know, have these kids and expect to, you know, like, love them and have them be a part of your family, and then they just get taken away. Yeah. It's pretty a really weird adjustment. Did you, uh, I mean, did did you have a pretty hard time with that as a kid? Yeah, because like I said, I spent a lot of my childhood alone. Um, so those, those months, those blips of time were, were really special to me. Um, because I had, you know, someone to play with or, you know, come home and have someone to like hang out with. Um, and you form, of course you form bonds with people when you live with them. And so, uh, it was very, very odd and very, uh, difficult for me as a young kid to even express how it affected me. Um, because I, again, didn't really have, uh, a lot of 
I had friends in the neighborhood, but I was always really a loner to some to some degree. Um, so having someone at home that was my age or aroundabouts my age that I could, you know, like braid each other's hair or like watch cartoons together was was really fun. And then not having that was really difficult. Yeah. Was that how did your mom handle that? Because did she she was trying to adopt one of the kids that she had? Yeah, she did. She because, uh, of course, you know, with with fostering, it it goes both ways. You want the you want the child to be happy and you want to love them. But, you know, you don't want to keep a child in a place where they don't feel comfortable or haven't connected with someone and might not be that, you know, the foster parent isn't really doing their best. It could just be that, that, that child just really wants to be with their, with their family. Um, and it's a lot for them to go through, especially whatever processes they have to go through going from group home to group home and all that stuff. It's a lot for them. Um, but my mom and, and my sister and I formed a really great bond with this one girl and she had lived with us for a while. And so my mom, you know, came to us and, and was like, would you guys be okay with me adopting her? And of course my sister and I were like, of course we love her. She's like our sister. Um, but around the same time, uh, I believe her parent had a, a addiction problem um, and she was in treatment and, you know, I'd been doing well and had gotten a job and had gotten a home. Um, so at that point, the, the social services people were like, yeah, I mean, it's all great that you've had her for however many months to a year, but her mom is able and, and willing and ready to take her daughter back. So, uh. um, and of course, you know, no matter how much love you give to a foster, um, especially someone who has like a strong bond with their parent, it's like, okay, you can choose where you want to be. And of course she's like, well, I mean, it wasn't great living with my mom, but now she's better and I want to be with my mom. And I completely understand that so as, as an adult, I can understand that as a child, it was very rough. Um, for all of us, because we'd all gotten so close and so used to being around each other. It was just weird. Yeah. And you probably never had any contact with her after that, right? Yep. Yeah, they're pretty uh, good about keeping those things closed when, you know. Yeah. That's unfortunate. I mean, hopefully the mom stayed sober and you know, probably not, a, hopefully it's not an unfortunate situation, but that's, yeah, that's got to be really, really hard to, yeah, form a bond with someone. And then like, all of a sudden they're just gone, especially as a kid, you'd like, you're like, what, where'd my sister go? Like, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of, I guess maybe kind of a weird segue, but I do, uh, what, how did your mom react when you told her you were going to go on this long distance hike? <laughs> <laughs> If only I had a recorder in my phone the very moment I told her that and could play mm -hmm. back to you. Um, she was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm, 
you know, I'm just like, hey, mom, casual, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to go do this hiking thing. And she's like, oh, yeah, I know you like hiking. Like, yeah, I'm going to go for like five to six months. I'm going to quit my job and everything. What the hell is wrong with you? What are you doing? Why would you do that? For like five, ten minutes, I'm just sitting there like, mom, mom. And she's like, oh, hell no. We're like, what is, I'm about to, what is that Kevin's number? I'm about to call him because you're not doing this. Oh, my gosh. I was like, mom. And then so she, uh, after, you know, that first initial shock, Every time I talk to her, I'd be like, you know, you know, I'm going hiking, right? And she'd be like, really? Are we really talking about this again? You haven't given up on it? And I'm like, well, I'm an adult, so you can either support it and maybe have your feeling about it, or we can be, you know, at odds about this, but there's no reason to be. Like, trust me, I wouldn't do anything, like, completely irrational. I've given it a lot of thought, so please support me in this. And so after a while, she was like, okay, like, I get it. She had done a ton of research. And of course, you know, like every parent, she'd call me and be like, I heard someone got, like, people get injured on that trail all the time. (laughs) There's bears out there. What are you going to do if a bear coming, comes and get you? There's rattlesnakes and, you know, everything that everybody says for not doing it. Um, (laughs) She, I swear she was like having nightmares. She'd be like, I got no sleep last night because I'm just thinking about the fact that you're about to go away for five months in the woods. I'm like, okay, mom, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like, we're going to make it through. And by the time we left, she was like pushing us out the door. I was like, what happened to the lady like six months ago who was like, you're fucking crazy. She was like, go ahead. I can't wait to send you guys things. Like, this is going to be great. Send me pictures. Um. So yeah, after a while she got she got a lot better with it. She turned into the obsessive parent about it. <laughs> like what maybe wants to do it herself. <laughs> oh god, no. I know, I know. <laughs> Listen, she chaperoned my fourth grade camping trip. And ever since then, like she doesn't even want to hear the word tree. Like she just she's so <laughs> she's we're complete opposites in that because I could just live in the woods and frolic around all the time. But she's just like, I want nothing to do with any of that. Like just, if you want to go camping, have at it, but I am not, I'm not doing that. By the end of our four day school camping trip, my mom had somehow talked her way into getting our whole group into this like really nice, big air conditioned one room like cabana it felt like I was like what is this place (laughs) like we were all in like these small little bunk bed you know cabin places and by the end of the trip she's like oh no everybody come pack your bags we're going up the street I'm like what who how did you even manage to do this what (laughs) are you doing we're supposed to be camping oh god oh my god is your mom kind of a diva oh my yes absolutely (laughs) (laughs) absolutely she is without a doubt oh my god i love that (laughs) without a doubt love it (laughs) oh she i always call her the rule breaker and i'm i'm very much like a rule follower to the most 
for the most part, but she, anytime there's anything that has a rule, she's just like, why don't like, who cares? Like, why don't I just, I'm just going to skip to the front of the line. I'm like, that's rude. To stay yeah. the line. Like, oh, I, you know, they said we have to wait 10 minutes, but let's just wait five. I'm like, why do you have to make everything so weird? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love parents though. They're so funny. And it's funny. Like the older you get, how much more you understand your parents, even if they are fucking crazy. Like, the older I get, I'm like, God, my parents are right about so many things. And, like, I see myself becoming them in little ways, too. I'm like, no, stop. Isn't that the worst? <laughs> it's so funny. I find myself now, like, when I, you know, go to a restaurant, my mom is notorious for never, like, her food's never right. For Like, she can go to the same restaurant five times in a row, order the same exact thing. And every time they bring it out, this is why I don't go anywhere with her, <laughs> at least not to restaurants. She'll go, she'll like get it and then be like, mm, it feels a little bit cold in the center. And I'm like, I'll touch it and be like, that is not cold. I'm going to send it back. Like, lady, <laughs> can we please enjoy our meal? <laughs> it's like a hot coal. She's like, mm, not up to standard. <laughs> Actually. I just go on the back and cook it myself like please relax oh my god that's whole, that would stress me out too especially after working in the industry for so long yes i'm like what do you want from them just relax it's fine <laughs> so drama queen oh my god i love that uh so uh one thing i really found interesting in in your story you wrote is how you said um, there was a lot of hesitation when you got to Scout and Frodo's and you saw, you know, mostly white people. Uh, can you explain that whole, uh, that hesitation and maybe why you were even a little, little bit fearful? Just, you know, a, what was it the day before you started, I assume? Yeah, yeah, it was. And it's so it's so odd because of course you know being a black person who has worked in corporate america and i have you know primarily white friends and i've you know lived a life that you know of course white people being the majority i've been in a lot of places where i've been the only black person um and I've never really, beyond college, had never really uh, had an issue or even really noticed it. But I think what it reminded me of, and I just mentioned college, was that, you know, it was one, it was a big change, uh, like a sudden shock to my system of just like, one, I'd never lived anywhere outside of Baltimore before then. Um, two space jam and I were, we've known each other for about seven years, but we're pretty early on in our, in our actual relationship. So that was another thing that made me anxious. Um, and then again, you know, just leaving my job and leaving everything behind to hike. I just wanted something that felt familiar. Um, yeah. 
and just like with college, I, I went to my first year, I went to a school that uh, is in Baltimore City, but is definitely like 95% white. And the same feeling that I had walking into Scout and Frodo's was the same feeling I had sitting in orientation on my first day of school, it was just looking around and being like, holy shit, like, there's no one here like me. What am I, who am I going to trade hair products with? Who am I going to talk to about, you know, certain cultural things or, you know, just have a, a, a similar experience with just someone I could connect with instantly without having to talk to them. It's kind of a, it's an unspoken thing between black people in, in particularly white spaces where you can just see another black person across the room and you just give each other like a head nod or like a smile. And it's like, I see you and I connect with you. I respect you. I'm going to come talk to you. Um, it's that, that automatic familiarity with someone who's your same race uh, mm -hmm. when you're a minority. It's just something you can instantly connect with. So when I walked into Scout and Frodo's, I was like, I had that immediate snap of like, oh shit, like there really ain't many black people up in here. Like I might be yeah. one. And it's also a difficult thing sometimes, one, because you automatically become the spokesperson for your race. So I walk in, I'm the only black black person not even just black woman in the room but the only black person um that probably even came through scout and frodo's that year uh i'm automatically the representative for black people and that's a tough thing to do uh especially when you don't know anybody yeah and it's you know, like you, whereas like on the trail, you just want people to be like, oh, there's Nandi. Let's talk about Nandi things, not like, oh, tell us everything about being black. Cause it's like, fuck, I've been talking about that my whole life. I just want to like be on trail and be, I'm, I'm just a fucking person. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, at the same time, I want for people who, you know, like I mentioned in my piece, like I want, I want people who have questions about black culture or have questions about blackness in general to ask you know I get I, I totally like I'm so open to that and I really appreciate that whenever someone actually says like hey you know I'm just curious about this I would like to learn more about your experience as a black person and your experience as a black woman I'm, I'm intrigued by that. And I would like to ask you questions. Like I'm always going to be open to that. But at the same time, I also wanted someone that I could just be like, Hey, like we're here, like, and we're, we're already cool. We're already going to be besties because we just get each other. And I think Additionally, that added some anxiety for me around my relationship, because the first thing I thought was, shit, he's the only person I relate to right now, because he is probably the only person who's not looking at me as the black girl on the trail, because this is my boyfriend who just loves me because I'm me. So I'm like, 
okay, I don't want to have to now become reliant on that relationship because it, you know, could cause a strain on that. Um, so it was a lot of confusion and, and feelings of like, what am I, how am I going to be my own person out here? And how, how easy is it going to be for me to make friends and to make my own community outside of my relationship? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And you know, like, and, and I'm not comparing the two because obviously being a black person in this country is way different from being a gay person in this country because I mean, everyone, they, I mean, America forgot about the gays. They don't even care anymore. Uh, you know, especially with, you know, the way things are, I think we've kind of reverted back into our racist history because now it's kind of okay to be outspokenly racist again. Um, so I feel like being a gay person now is actually, it's not what, how it was 20 years ago, but I do wonder, uh, for myself, if my hike would have been different, if people didn't know who I was, like if I wasn't, you know, like the hiker trash vote guy, if I would have had uncomfortable interactions. Um, cause I, I did listen to a backpacker radio, uh, episode with this hiker named gummy bear. I don't know if you ever encountered him. Um, he was a early twenties uh, gay guy, and he talks about his experience um, on the trail, and it was quite different from mine. And it and listening to him speak helped me learn a lot, even as even as like a fellow you know like gay person. Um, so it's I the big reason I want to do this podcast too is just to you know I like to get to know people's backstories and then factor in the fact that they did this big hike, especially people that, you know, are people of color or, uh, you know, from the LGBTQ community or, you know, plus size people. Um, I think it's really important that we do have these conversations so that we can learn and engage and, uh, you know, save ourselves from saying stupid shit (laughs) to each other. Absolutely. Um, I remember you saying, and also in your, uh, in your story, you had a, uh, kind of strange, strange interaction with another hiker when you guys were in a, what town were you in? Uh, Bishop. That's right. And you were just trying to go to the diner and could you, uh, retell that story for listeners? Yes. Um, <laughs> 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 oh, this guy. Um, so so yes, we we had just gotten to Bishop that earlier that day, and I had decided to go see The Incredibles two at the at the theater. And I just gotten back, and I was pretty hungry, so I went and found Space Jam, and I was like, "Hey, why don't we just like go on a hot date to Denny's?" Oh, um, so he's like, "Yeah, great, let's go on a date." So we were coming downstairs, and we stopped into the kitchen. I think we were both having like a pre-dinner beer and we're going to go toss him. And this guy, uh, so I walk into the kitchen and this guy is pretty drunk. He's got like a crown on his head and like a sash. So I just automatically assumed it was his birthday. And so he, he's just like, Hey, who, who are you? And so I'm like, hi, I'm sea lion. And then, so my friend, this, uh, 
this white female um, hiker was like, why would you, why would you ask her like that? You haven't asked anybody else why they're here. She's clearly hiking. And he's like, well, I just, I just never saw her before. And so I was like, oh, okay, that's totally fine. Um, I'm Sea Lion. What's your name? So he told me his trail name. And so then he goes into this fucking ridiculous rant about his how he got his trail name. So without giving it away, um, he he got his trail name based off of something he wears that is blatantly related to racism. And so so then he he goes to try to explain to me uh, why he he doesn't believe that black people should be slaves or that you know he doesn't that he doesn't agree with that but that's just his history and i'm just and so space jam is just looking at me like oh shit oh shit it's about to get real and i'm just standing there and i'm just like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh like totally fine Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." just because like one i'm not finna argue with you about this because this is, you know, you're 20 something, 30 something years old. There's a lifetime of shit that you've been taught that I'm not going to be able to undo in 10 minutes of talking to you. It's just impossible. Um, but he, he just kept going. And so what, what made me say something to him was he says, well, it's no different than me wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. Oh, and then no. I was like, wait, what? It's like, okay, so I sat here and I let you talk your shit for like 10 minutes, but it's completely different. It's not the same at all. What you're talking about is directly related to an oppression of people for hundreds of years. Wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt is nothing like that. Like, like what are you talking about? We're talking about something that is still in effect today, like the systematic racism that's still in place in our country because of what you say does not represent slavery or racism at all. Like there's no comparison. And so he's just like, yeah, well, I don't know. Like, I'm just not going to ever stop wearing it. Like this is about like, I don't care. I don't want black people to have like anything bad happen to them. And I'm just like, you don't, you don't get it. <laughs> um, and so then we just left and I was just like, this guy, this guy is just very, and I, you know, I have empathy for people like that because to a degree, um, because one, I'm sure that's, he, he was taught that from a very young age and has known nothing else. And is probably not even had the the pleasure of being around many black people in his lifetime. Um, so I can, I can understand to a degree why he thinks the way that he does, but at the same time, it's really no excuse because we all have the internet. We all have access to information. You can learn and, and be knowledgeable of whatever you want to be in, in this time that we're in, like everything is accessible. Um, and just to be quietly fucking honest, the guy just sucks because he he just and I try to find 
good qualities in everybody, but he just like would rub everybody the wrong way. And even after that, I was like always just super nice to him and tried to include him in things because I just didn't want, I didn't want him to have an excuse to be blatantly racist toward me or to fuel whatever feelings he has about black people. I like made it a, a conscious decision to say like, okay, this person clearly has an issue, but I'm not going to allow him to, to use me as a scapegoat for having hateful feelings to people who look like me. It's something I have learned. I don't think I've mastered it quite yet, but it's something I've gotten better with over time, just having little encounters with people like recently when Kevin and I were living in Colorado we were at this bar um during football season and we don't even really watch football anymore um for many reasons but uh our home team had gone gotten into the playoffs and so I was like okay who cares let's just go to the bar get like get some drinks and like get some bar food and like fucking be loud weird sports people for a night and so we're we're there and, and there's tons of people in this bar and everybody's loud and here I am just at the corner of the bar like being loud and this um this older white guy came up to me and he's just like you're offending everybody here you're being offensive if you don't tone it down I'm gonna make sure that you have to leave here and so I, I was just like what um, I was like, this is a bar. And he's like, yeah, well, just so you know, like, if you keep it up, I'm gonna make sure you get kicked out of here. And so he walks away. And then the bartender comes up and he's like, don't pay attention to that guy. Like that guy fucking sucks. And so I just had, I had a couple more sips of my drink and I was like, all right, I'll be right back. So I went over to the guy and just walked up to him and I gave him a hug. And I was like, hi, am I offending you still? And he's like, oh, no, no, you're great. You're great. Wonderful. And I just walked back. And the reason why I did that was like, hey, man, if you're uncomfortable with me being here, because there's literally everybody is being loud. I'm the only black person in here. You decide to come up to me. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to go over there and hug him, because if he's that disgusted by my blackness, now he's going to have to leave and go home and take a shower. Two minutes later, he signed his check and left. I was like, you're going to leave, not me. <laughs> I paid my <laughs> I'm being here, dude. You're gonna have to live with it. If you don't like me being here, you're the one who has to go, not me. So he literally just came up to you to tell you you're you're being offensive by being in the bar, just by being black. Just yeah, because literally he said that it was because I was being loud, but we're in a sports bar bar. Like everyone was being loud. What? But I was the only black person in the bar who was also being loud, and he's like, You are offending people. You're being too loud if you don't stop it. And so I was like, no, I'm going to go hug the guy because now he's, he's, he's not going to be able to handle that. Me arguing with you isn't going to do anything. Me hugging you. <laughs> yeah. Go home and wash yourself off with chlorine, pal, because I'm going to be here having my drink and eating my food happily. Going back a little bit, um, I, <clears throat> um, you know, a conversation I've had with, you know, a few of my friends who are black is 
that you have to be like raised differently because of, you know, racism that you encounter in your day-to-day life. Uh, so like what, like what are things that, you know, your mom grew up telling you and doing that's different from, you know, like a, like a white person. Yeah. Um, really one, like the first thing is like the black community in general has a distrust for the police. So one of the things we were always taught was like, do not trust the cops. They're not trustworthy. Um, two, just like we have to be, my mom always told me to be super, um, aware of my surroundings. Um, two, three, it's that angry black girl syndrome. It's like, you gotta like keep, keep it toned down just a little bit, just enough to not make people feel uncomfortable. Um, which is so stupid. Um, and it's something that in a lot of ways I think has affected it. It kind of makes me wonder a lot about my personality now. Cause I'm a very soft person. I'm very non-confrontational and a part of me wonders, you know, is that just who I am naturally? Like, am I just naturally super Zen or have I been conditioned so much to be this way because of having to be mindful of the way that I come off and having to be in, in a lot of ways super filtered because we don't want to be um, judged or, or uh, pigeonholed as being, you know, the ugliest word. I can't stand it being ghetto or being like, you know, aggressive um and and also just like my I'm sure everyone's parents wants them to to succeed and do well in life but I always was taught from a very 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 young age that I will always have to be the absolute best at everything that I do just to get a little bit ahead Mm -hmm. like I, I have to be so much better than everybody else at my work just to get a tiny bit ahead of everyone else. Like I, I'm never, I'm never going to be, and which is not true. Um, the mentality is that I'm never going to be able to, to get to a place where, you know, a, a white man can get being mediocre, I have to be like superwoman. Yeah. And in, in some ways, you know, in a corporate setting, it's partially true, but I've grown up to learn that there, there are no limitations to anything. And if someone's going to give me a ceiling, I'm going to make my own, my own, you know, structure myself, then I have to figure out a way to make whatever I want to make happen, happen. So no one can limit me. But in, in, our, in our culture, where we know that automatically there's prejudice against us. There are things that people assume about us. It's blatant. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so unfortunately. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's, um, and that's, and that's something that I, I've always struggled with was that again, a lot of, why I was always a rule follower. And another reason why I wanted to hike the PCT was because I had worked, you know, so hard in, even in like fucking elementary school, like having to get straight A's because I always had in the back of my mind because my mom was like hemming and hawing on me. Like you have to be the best. Like you have to go to college. You're not going to be able to get a good job as a black woman without going and finishing college. And then like, you know, I always followed the rules because I always had in the back of my mind, you have to, you are already have ticks against you. You can't give people a reason to, to not qualify you or to, to not consider you for a job or to, you know, count you out. I have to be good at, everything that I do. And it's, it's a really, it's a really, um, unrealistic expectation. Um, and, and so, you know, a big part of hiking the PCT for me, was breaking out of that, was breaking that mentality and saying to, saying to myself that, you know, maybe one day I will have daughters. I'll have black children you know even though I'm engaged to a white man like we don't know what those babies are going to come out looking like these are going to be black children and so I have to start undoing the the things that I've been taught ever since I was you know born and that's 27 years worth of work to do it's a lot and it's tiring but he was like the first thing that I was like okay like I'm letting go of this expectation that I have to be this powerhouse corporate woman when I was not happy there. Like I wasn't, again, I was in, you know, the boys club where it's like I'm working, you know, 40 to 60 hour weeks just so that these guys don't have shit to say to me. Like, who wants to live their life that way? Just so I can go home and sleep and live in my cute apartment and, like, watch Netflix all day. Like, I didn't want that anymore. Just, it it just wasn't fulfilling me. Um, and so the PCT really helped me, you know, break out of that cycle. And ever since then, I've just been, I felt so free of of feeling that way. Even though it's still very, very true. Um it just, I, I don't care to really live my life following or trying to live up to that anymore. Yeah. Did, uh, you know, doing the PCT and obviously any long trail, I mean, it's predominantly white. We, everyone knows that. Um, but do you think, you know, doing a through hike as a person of color, did you find that it maybe, did it like, help like put you more in touch with who you are, like your race um, because you weren't surrounded by all the, you know, all these different people of color. Yeah. Definitely. Did I word that right? Sorry. <laughs> like, I know what, I know what I mean, but I'm bad at like 
like at, like asking exactly how I want it to be like said. So, but anyway, so yeah, you just elaborate on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I um, being on the trail definitely one every single fucking time we'd go into a town and I'd see like one black person like in the distance. I just be like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, we didn't even have to see each other. I was just, I turned into a black person radar. Like, I like anywhere. I just like, oh, yes. Okay, at least one. Great, good. Um, but just on the trail itself, um, one, I wore my hair in braids the whole time in cornrows. Um, and I think people were like, a little bit confused by that because back home I I rarely I always wear my hair down um for the most part because I have the the materials <laughs> to take yeah. it. Um, <laughs> um, but you know just like going going into trail towns and uh space jams like yeah I'm gonna go take a shower and wash my hair and I'm like oh shit well I need to wash my hair too but it's gonna it's about to be a one to two hour process. So, you know, especially without, you know, the shampoos and conditioners and things that I needed. And my mom always had to send things out to me. Um, and yeah, just like even just having to carry the extra weight of like coconut oil. <laughs> because yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, but at least you had lube too. It doubles. <laughs> You know what they say about sex in the woods? It's intense. Yeah. <laughs> and disgusting if you're through hiking. <laughs> <laughs> and absolutely gross. <laughs> yeah. We'll wait till we're in town and showered like three times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. Um, yeah. Just one I listened the type of music that I listened to on the trail changed from what I listened to back home. Um, I listened to a lot more like rap on trail than I love rap music so much, but like even just wanting to be connected to more like black things, I found myself listening to uh, more rap music and like, of course, Beyonce. Uh, like, duh. Yeah love her Beyonce and Jay-Z's album came out like right when I was in Bishop and I listened to that like every fucking day on the trail um so even that sort of stuff uh helped me feel more connected um to my culture and I I even so I met this really nice black lady at the Big Bear post office mm -hmm. and she worked there and my mom had sent me a box, but it hadn't showed up. And so she's like, Oh, are you hiking? And I was like, yeah. She's like, wow, you're the only black girl I've seen come through here. And so like ever, well, like that year. Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, I haven't been, I haven't seen any. And so I was like, well, I can't stay here and wait for my box so she's like hey like let me just let me just give you my number 
so we exchanged cell phone numbers and she just like bounced my box ahead and like took care of the cost and everything for me to write wood. And then, and so her and I, like, she'd like, please just like, keep me updated with where you are. Just make sure, sh- make sure that I know that you're okay. And let me know when you make it to Canada. We had, I had texted her like every couple of months. And then when I made it to Canada, I texted her that I made it. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. Like, that's like the sort of thing that happens when you don't see black people and then you do. Oh, that's so awesome. She was such a sweet lady. And she's like, baby, don't worry about it. Like, you got to worry about walking. I'm going to send this ahead for you. Uh, just keep me posted. I'll let you know when it when I've sent it and everything. And she was just like so great. Mm, what was her name? Oh God, I don't remember. I still have oh. her number. Though. I never saved it, but I still have her number. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. Nice. Uh, I just kind of on this topic of you know not seeing black people. I just moved back to Portland from Boise, Idaho, and oh my god, I thought I thought Portland was white until I moved to fucking Boise, Idaho, and I got I came I've only been back 2 days. I'm like, I'm so fucking happy to see black people and see Asians and see Muslims and see like I was like, thank god. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just happy to see a, a sea of people who look different than the norm. <laughs> oh, it's so great. It's just so nice. It it adds an element of, of spice to your life. Um, and that's not to say white people aren't diverse because of course, you know, everybody has different backgrounds. You all have, you know, different mindsets, but it's, it's so cool to just be able to see it and, and know for sure that, you know, one, I might have a lot more in common with, you know, a white man from Baltimore than I would from a, black girl from I don't know fucking Idaho you know I probably would connect more with the white man culturally but yeah something something very beautiful about being able to see diversity um with your eyes before talking to people it's really cool and 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 I think that's why you know in the outdoor industry right now there's the big conversation about you know, about diversity on our trails. Um, and a big reason I want to do this podcast as well is just like, I want, I hope people listen to it. I hope, you know, people of color listen to it. I hope people that are part of the LGBTQ community listen to it. I hope plus size people listen to it. Cause I want, I, I just want people to listen to it and be like, Oh, maybe this is a safe place. You know, maybe I can do that because this person did it or, you know, because, you know, I mean, just because it is predominantly white, I think 99% of people on the trail are pretty, pretty fucking welcoming and don't give a shit who you are. Minus, you know, that, that one guy who, whose name we won't mention, but I'm sure people listening will know. <laughs> uh, one question I have is, uh, how do you think, you know, we're the outdoor industry is really, you know, I hate the term, but like focusing on diversity right now when it's really like, okay, you should have been doing that like a long time ago. Um, (laughs) But, you know, because it is a conversation and we do need to make it a safe place for everyone, uh, which I think it is, but how do you think we begin to 
tricky to get more people on the trail to add diversity, whether that is people of color or LGBTQ or plus size hikers. How do you think we, how do you think we do that? Cause you can't tell someone to do something, but you know, do you, how, how do we do that? What do you, do you have any ideas? I've been asking people this. Yeah, I think a couple of things come to mind. Um, one of like the more simple things would be even just in advertising. Um, I know in a lot of the camping, you know, advertisements, whether it's like a tent or trekking poles, it's always, it's rarely ever someone of color, not even just like black people, but not really people of color, not really plus size people. Um, you don't really see that often I've been seeing it more frequently now like more recently but um one I think people need to be able to see themselves in in spaces where they typically wouldn't see themselves um two I think it really does start in our our education systems um especially for for people who don't grow up with access to green spaces. You know, I grew up in the inner city. My mom is definitely was not interested in, in camping. Um, and so having, having access to, you know, weekend camping trips or um, even like day hikes would be helpful just to get people even interested in, in, in green spaces. Um, and it's, there's a lot of misconceptions too about hiking in general and, and being in the wilderness in general. I think a lot of people are just afraid of what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, it's a really complex thing to fix. I think it'll take some time because again, as humans, we're, we're more inclined to do what we know. And so I think it's important to start early. Um, if we could get, you know, seven, six, seven year olds out on a day hike for a field trip would be a great place to start. Um, and then of course, just having, having people brave like you who, you know, and having people who are brave that are plus size, just going out there and trying it, um, is, is very valuable. Um, and was really the main reason why I, I finished my through hike because there are a lot of times when I thought I wouldn't finish. Um, but it was very, very important to me to, to be some small piece of, of a representative to say, Hey, like black girls, you can, you can absolutely do this. There's a place for you here. Yeah. Um, And that's, that's, it's very, very important. Um, And so all of my, you know, all of my, cousins like all of my cousins know about it and and all of my good black girlfriends like we're all like you're fucking crazy but that's mm-hmm. great like now I feel like I can go out and I'm not gonna fucking through hike but I'll go and do you know 
a five mile hike or I'll go camping or I'll, you know, go to a lake, like whatever it is. I think um, the more people that people see doing things like this that look like them or have similar backgrounds to them, the more likely we're going to have more people, um, more diversity in that in that realm. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's like a ripple effect. Look, you, I mean, like you, like you just said, you've already inspired some of your friends, you know, who knows which one of them is going to be like, oh, you know, I did that five mile hike, you know, maybe I'll do like a bigger backpacking trip now and post a picture. And then someone sees, you know, another black girl sees that and is like, oh, I want to look into this more and then starts doing it herself. And then I, I really think it is a ripple effect. Um, so, I mean, like how great that you, you know, I mean, you would have done it regardless of what you look like. It It is important that we, uh, you know, as minorities, no matter what uh, minority group you come from, that we do share our stories and our experiences um, because then we can inspire other people to go out and, you know, not be scared of who they are. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any... Um, what advice would you give, you know, to, I, I mean, I will, you know, to like a, a black woman specifically, um, what advice would you give to her if she wanted to go on a through hike or even a long distance hike, but was maybe a little afraid of the culture? What would you say? I would say one is going to be okay. Everyone is whether or not they're accepting of you isn't the point. Go out there and try it. Push yourself. Get outside of your comfort zone. Regardless of what types of interactions you have with people, just doing something that you normally wouldn't do is going to be worth so much to you. Um I'd say you're probably going to feel some anxieties. You're probably going to doubt yourself. You're going to feel alone in some ways. You're, you might feel like an outcast. But ultimately, the experience will be... I, I can't even put... I can't even find a grand enough word to describe how much of yourself you find by stepping so far out of your comfort zone that it'll affect your life in, in every other area for the, for the better. Mm -hmm. um, so regardless of what I like to call the growing pains of, of being out of something that's familiar to you, Ultimately, it'll be the best experience, the best push you could ever give yourself. And also make sure you just have the things that you need to take care of yourself. Um, whether that's, you know, whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you feel close to home or close to black people, just nurture yourself with that because it's 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 going to be difficult with not having that culture, cultural connection to somebody. So make sure you take time to, to love up on yourself, whether it's, you know, 
coconut oiling your hair up or mm-hmm. writing poetry or, you know, bringing your favorite book from a black author, like any, any sorts of things that will allow you to fill your cup back up. Um, I'd say do that as well, but it'll be well worth it. Yeah. And kind of, I like what you're saying. Cause it's like, by bringing your own culture to the trail, you're adding to the culture and the diversity of the through hiking world and the outdoor community. So that's pretty cool. I, I love that. I, I had, and even with the, you know, the one incident, I will say I never had anyone latently you know, racist or prejudiced toward me. Uh, Most of the time it was intrigued. People just wanted to ask questions. But ultimately, everybody's dog fucking tired and hungry. Like nobody's really that concerned about you. (laughs) (laughs) Cares about your skin color. They might look at you a little bit and you can see the inquisitiveness on their faces. But they don't really give two shits about where you came from. They know that you just hiked over that fucking pass just like them. So go you, you know, you had to do the same things to get to where they are and they respect it. And I mean, ultimately you all become this beautiful, great connected family of people, whether you talk to each other or not, there's just this genuine respect and love between hikers that I haven't seen in any other community that I've ever been in. And it's, it's a very, very beautiful thing to be a part of. Um, and I, I now have like lifetime friends because of the trail that I would have never met if I hadn't done it. And so there's, there's far more to gain than there is to lose. Um, and really, you never lose anything by trying. You only learn lessons and you grow from it. So I always say, go out there, get it done. Whether you finish or you quit or not quit. I don't like to call it quitting. If you, if you, whether you finish or make it all the way to Canada or you decide that your time has come to, to move on to something else, whatever or however much time you spend on the trail, like it's just life changing. There's nothing like it. I haven't experienced anything like it in my life. Yeah. I think you put it perfectly. And I think what is so great about our, our community is especially, you know, with with through hiking, everyone has a common goal and it's so beautiful to share that with people, whether you look the same or you don't look the same. It's, uh, it's it's pretty incredible. It changed my life as well. And I, I will always have, you know, very fond memories and sentiments about the people I've met and the things I've learned from the trail. I, I can't wait to, like, hike again. Even though, like, when I'm on trail, sometimes I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> there are some days, man. There were some days. Where, where Space Jam would just look at me the wrong way and I'd be like, <laughs> listen, <laughs> you don't want these problems to 
everybody. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we just climbed 2,000 miles, 2,000 feet over two miles. You had better look the other way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have those moments and it's like, ah, this fucking sucks. But then you, you look up and you're like, huh, this is some of the most beautiful scenery I've ever seen in my life. I get to wake up every morning and do this and see these beautiful landscapes and admire, you know, flowers and see wildlife. Like who am I to fucking complain about this being my, my life right now? Like, yes, you can go through the motions, but ultimately I didn't want to be anywhere else. Yeah. And I think it's with all that, all the things you could just see, I think through with through hiking, you finally get to like see yourself for who you are and you get to learn so much about yourself and uh it's yeah it's just the best experience and uh i can't thank you enough again for taking the time out of your day i think everything you've said has been so like beautifully put and i really hope that at least one person even listens to this and gets inspired to through hiking especially you know a person of color um because i i would love to do it through hiking you know in in five years and have it be people from all over and all walks of life. Yeah. Take your also, if anybody listens and has a black friend or an Asian friend or anyone of color, anyone who, uh, whether, you know, anyone diverse, like just take them on a short walk with you or take them to a green space or, you know, just do something small with someone. You never, you never really know um, what it'll take to get someone to be inspired enough to go and do a through hike. I wasn't a, a hiker before the PCT. Um, the most I'd ever done was like 10 miles in a day uh, before hiking the PCT. So you never know how you can impact someone or or make them feel inspired to go do something like this. So just grab someone and, and go, go explore. Awesome. Well, I think we will leave it at that because that was beautifully put. And uh, thank you again for everything. I can't wait to uh, show you what I've been working on designing your, your story for the book. It's going to be pretty badass. I'm so excited for you. You are a really, really great, talented human being. And I, I know I speak for the entire hiker community when I say thank you for sharing your art with us. Oh, thank you. With us. It's a really beautiful, impactful thing that you do in, in such a delightful way. And I, I really do appreciate you. Oh, well, it wouldn't exist without you guys. So it's a, it's, I, I always say that my work has been a team effort because it wouldn't exist without all the people that have been a part of it, including you. So, uh, thank you though. That, I mean, it's, it'll never get old to hear that people see value in my work, um, because it's my life. So I really, really appreciate that. And I appreciate you. And this has been so awesome and very insightful as well thank you thank you so much for having me i really i 
I am so happy to be a part of this and I hope it's helpful. And if anyone hears it and feels inspired, it will just warm my heart to no end. So thank you. Thanks again. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, Can you tell people your Instagram handle in case they're listening and they want to follow you? Yes, my Instagram is Nandi. So that's N H A N D I underscore underscore. Perfect. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Nandi. Obviously, always great to to talk to you, and I'm sure I will be in touch soon. Sounds great. Whenever I'm in Portland, I'll come visit. Oh, girl, you got a place to stay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome thank you so much i appreciate it thank you have a good evening you You too too. bye-bye thank you so much for listening to this episode you guys uh i really hope uh you all enjoyed listening to it as much as i enjoyed recording it and listening and learning and uh yeah if you like the podcast i would love if you left a review for us or for me, I guess, since I'm the one doing it. But uh, I say us because, you know, all the guests. We're, we're, this, we're a team. We're a team. Um, yeah, I would love if you left a review. Uh, but obviously, more importantly, I think uh, reaching out to our guests and saying, hey, you inspired me. Um, I connected with you. That's really important to me that you do that. Um, I, I think through this podcast, I really want to create a community that feels welcoming and accepting. Um, a conversation I had recently is about um, Instagram, you know, specifically and the call out culture that's happening uh, where we are constantly bickering and uh, talking about how we're different and how our ideas are different. Uh, And I don't think that's getting us anywhere. Honestly, I think it's, it's fucking annoying. Um, I think we need to start talking about how we connect rather than how we differ from each other. Um, So I'm going to leave that for you guys to think about, um, and that will be something we talk about more on a future episode. Um, So, yeah, thanks so much for listening. Um, I've been feeling so loved um, with the messages and comments you guys have had about the podcast. And don't hesitate to reach out um, if you have an idea for a guest or even an idea for a topic that you maybe um, want talked about. And if it's something I feel uh, I can talk about without sounding like a complete idiot, I will try to include it. So um, thank you guys again. Much love and see you soon.